all world knew just what you like now, we'd be safe. That tweet triggered that hot plate. Where could that hot plate be? Under a house, under a car, you know, in a roof. Where could I do that tweet from? Anywhere on the planet. There will be a deep fake weapon that's coming out. Maybe it might go after an influencer or something like that. And then it will just take that, set up a deep fake of them in some porn and then send them a message going, listen, send me a Bitcoin or this is being released to the public. You're listening to Widdishin's podcast, where we take the ultimate sci-fi themes found in books and movies and discuss them with the world's leading scientists, engineers and experts. This week's podcast is brought to you by our sponsors and preferred retailers, Wordery and The Book Depository. And the book whose theme we're reflecting on this week is Bo's Fleet by P.W. Singer and August Cole. So Singer and Cole force you to grapple with the possibility that their version of Next World War involves technology and psychology, and that it's at its core. And to be honest with you, I don't think it's that far off because many of the affairs they allude to have already been set into motion. And what scared me the most were the hundreds of research notes that are found at the end of the book that attest to the current trends which basically formed the foundation of this story. You can find the link to the ghost fleet in the show notes. My name is Amy Rose, and as the host of Widdishins, I bring to you an episode on the future of weapons with Skeev Stevens. Now, Skeev was the first Australian to be imprisoned for hacking, and I met him in Sydney at Singularity Summit. Skeev is a futurist. He's an entrepreneur. He's involved in so many businesses. I think he has nine and counting. He's a keynote speaker, a technology architect, a consultant and visionary in so many areas, including futurism, network architecture, virtual and augmented reality the internet of things, smart cities, neuroscience and brainware. But he also consults for the Australian government, the police and various other agencies. Steve and I talked about a lot in this episode and I think what we're going to have to do is give him his own segment. But in the meantime, let's have a listen to my conversation with Steve. Thanks, Steve, for coming on the show. All right. Now, I've, I just want everyone to know who you are first. So if you have like a blurb, a, blurb a little bit of me. history of oh. where I believe you were the Australia's first hacker to go to prison. I, I am indeed. See, that sounds way, way more impressive than it is. It is pretty impressive. And you don't have to talk about prison or how awesome you were or anything. No, no, it's not impressive <laughs> because when the judge goes, can somebody explain what the internet is? Yeah. It's you, you're like, and I, I even knew the prosecuting barrister, and he just looked at me and just kind of like shrugged and went, "Dude, I'm sorry," because they'd sorted it. They'd actually kind of agreed on home detention, and the judge just didn't have a clue, and she didn't have any bar of it. She had no idea what was going on. I ended up becoming mm-hmm. primary case law. I get students and friends of mine that are doing law that call me every now and then and go, "They're talking about you now." <laughs> I'm in about forty textbooks now, which is absolutely yeah. hysterical, and I and I'm like. Hey, tell the lecturer that I'm on the phone if he wants to any clarification. And, and I've done it about a dozen times. And they're like, uh, hello? And they're in front of the whole lecture. Steve, Steve is everywhere. The book. The book <laughs> yeah, yeah. I've got people everywhere. And the book, like, he's like, hang on, how did he know? So what are you doing right now? Right now, I've got a shepherd's pie here. And um, um, you mean work, you mean business-wise? And... What, are you, what are you doing? You're obviously not in prison. No, I haven't been. That was 22 years ago. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, a long, but, long time ago. You know, you've come a long way. Yeah, I <laughs> A long way, and um, I, when I left jail, all the all the intelligence and law enforcement tried to hire me, and 
the weird thing was is that I actually was not opposed to working with law enforcement or intelligence and things like that. It's just that they wanted to pay like 52K and you got to move to Canberra. And I'm like, what? what? It was just really cheap. And this is one of the problem, problems that I talk about um, these days. So I went through being a network engineer and doing all sorts of things. And now and then I turned into an entrepreneur when I became about 35 and started, set, up, set up about a dozen companies. And from virtual reality companies to uh, we've got a company where we create superhumans because we're doing all sorts of interesting things with the extreme latest cutting edge tech. There is so many different areas. And, and being a futurist was awesome. So we started to become a, we became a futurist called Future Sumo. And that was, that's awesome, right? And we still do that now. We just got sidelined a little bit when a couple of years ago, the New South Wales Police Intelligence Unit asked us if we could come up with ways we could weaponize modern technology that the public had access to, like that you can go to Bunnings and, and things like that. And basically not buying explosives and guns and everything. So we went, sure. I went and did a talk to, in front of that. But basically I scared the absolute shit out of them. And um, yeah. with, with the presentation we did, and um, they supported us and sent us on a tour around the entire country to meet with all the police forces around the country. And then at the same time, I started to do other things parallel. We were working with the government and doing warfare, cyber warfare games. And then we started working with the military. And now Shanti and I are on uh, joint task force with the military. And we talk about counterterrorism. In fact, we're not actually really, um, Shanti hate, hates me saying this. So I'm like, we don't really do counterterrorism. We actually really do terrorism now. So for the military and law enforcement, everybody, we come up with ways to use and abuse and kill people and do all that sort of stuff with what is easily uh, viable these days and weaponizing it and then telling them so they can figure out. So we don't tell the crims, we don't put online and all that sort of things. So we only tell law enforcement and, and you know the courts and, and we talk about holes in law and everything. And then we talk to them about it so they can go, Oh crap! And defend and figure out how they would defend against it. So the Future Crime Agency is kind of a narrowed version of that, and it's a bit of a scam. In that most of our talks, most intelligent IT people look at it and go, "Okay, I understood most of that." And I'm like, "Yeah, you read it for a couple of times, and you could probably deliver this in two days." And they're like, "Actually, I probably could." It's just that so many people are stuck in their silos; they just don't even think. I mean, I've got another business called, uh, people say think outside the box. I don't, I, I talk, I have a thing called uh, think outside the quadrilateral parallelogram. It's just, you've got to think differently. And I've studied psychology and everything. And we started to do things called inversion thinking and which is basically thinking backwards, combining it with things like Elon Musk's first principles and a few other things that I've started to think about. And mm-hmm. which is, which you'll probably find interesting that uh, we go to Canberra and we're in a room full of like lots of people in, in uniforms and we plan attack scenarios on Sydney. And we like, so the whole point is to what can people with weapons and with military experience come up with? And what are the new techie guys in the corner and the spies in the, in the other corner and things like that? So what can we come up with as best that we would then be able to dip right um, and defend the country against? So we've been doing counter, drone counterterrorism. Would you suggest that cybersecurity upskill or become a little better at their job and by doing what? Well, like- I mean, I can talk about it for three hours. In fact, I get up and I do a whole talk to the sort of thing. In fact, ACA, okay. Australian Computer Society, sent us around the whole country last year to talk to all their members about just this problem, which is everyone's silos in, and, and they go, I'm an expert or I like Cisco and I don't want to use anything else. And people are not combining skills and joining their silos. And we did that, a whole talk about that. A guy came up to me, he's my age and he's like, you know, he's 45 or something. And he's like, I've just finished my mechatronic cybersecurity degree. And I'm like, yeah. And he's like, but I don't really know where to look for a job. I'm like, well, what else did you do before? And he goes, he was a chef for 27 years or something. And I'm like, well, I don't know who else. I would never get an IT guy to build 
robotics or automation in a, a hotel five-star kitchen environment. You are the only person probably in this country that could probably do that from a mechatronics robotics security side and the fact that you were a, a master chef for 27 years. And he just looked at me blankly like, oh, holy crap, you're right. Okay, so let's go back to the weaponry. Well, actually, you know what I don't know? I don't know what you talk about when you talk about drones and, you know, our kids growing up being able to code and... The kids are weapons, yeah. I want to know if you can share with me ideas of how weapons, what, what will be weapons? No, no, I can talk. Hey, hey, I'm going to make this stuff up. I can talk what I like. The thing I don't do, generally do on public broadcasts is go into details because the last, and that's why we don't have many videos online. The, the hard stuff where we go into details, people replicate that and people die. Yeah, and it's really yeah. easy to do. An eight-year-old can go and buy that stuff and people die. Let, let's go the soft version. So we're talking, So like, no, I mean, we'll talk about the consumer end of the town first. Where yeah. So one of the things we did at Police Intelligence, we were doing my keynote and I said, someone do a tweet. And someone did a tweet. So we call this thing, it's called the glue. Do you know what IFFT and Zapier is and those things? Yeah, I know I know Zapier. Okay. Now, people don't often connect those things and what's possible. And the, the funny thing about this was that there was like several hundred intelligence officers in the room. And the first thing is they didn't rec- even see what was standing at the front of the stage to my left. So what happens is when they did the tweet, it used, the, the, we call it the glue, the thing that binds everything mm. together. And that, that turned mm. on a PowerPoint, which had a hot plate connected to it, which had a one of those old school whistle kettles. So after about two minutes, the kettle, kettle starts whistling. Their brains explode because they've not even seen that the fact there's a kettle standing, sitting next to me. <laughs> on stage. They're just going, hang on, we're intelligence officers. How do we not see? So my wife goes over and takes it off. And I'm like, so that tweet, triggered that hot plate where could that hot plate be under a house under a car you know in a roof where could i do that tweet from anywhere on the planet what i could trigger it with even just by the time of date there's so many different forms of how to trigger it if this then that actions and but i said it doesn't have to be a hot plate shanti's also made ones that are got uh, that are hair dryers and you could have that sitting in a bath and i could do a tweet and just kill someone or something like that there is so many things now given that that's a trigger in an action situation. I can have a camera that knows your face, that you walk past, that it knows it's you, and then doesn't that does a small thing. So mm. there is so many ways to automate the killing and death of people. We did a scenario on, with one of the football stadiums, and we we sort of easily came to the conclusion that, that we can kill a thousand people without any weapons, and that's just using modern versions of psychology warfare. So if I took a few little baby drones and flew them over the crowd and dropped icing sugar, then what's going to happen? Oh, a lot of people are going to rush out and go crazy. And they're going to, and when you're talking about 38,000 people, they're just yeah. going to flip over each other and kill themselves. So we, 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 we looked at the, the makeup and the layout of that place and it was estimated that there will be about a thousand dead <gasps> from me dropping icing sugar. Wow. So so it's a new way of thinking. So it's, there's weapons where you use people's brains. Did you see the movie, was it Will Smith and... Margot Robbie, where they had, had they, they placed the numbers everywhere and things like that. So basically, it's subliminal um, planting, and it's it's very very easy to do that. It, you, you've got a bunch of soldiers in a, in a sort of an urban environment like this, and we take a photo of them. We do facial recognition, which is not hard. We figure out if we can, we can figure out if they've got a wife or a girlfriend or something like that. Then we just take the picture we've got deep fake. You know, deep fakes are yeah. So we deep fake that, and we just play that on the TV so they can see it. And it, it will just—it's just, it's just psych, psychological warfare using deep fake weaponry and things like that. There will be a deep fake weapon that's coming out where it literally is just like a normal virus out there that searches the internet for someone with a good, you know, 
reasonable. Might, it might look, look at their videos on YouTube and Facebook and go, okay, I think you've probably got a bit of money. Maybe it might go after an influencer or something like that. And then it will just take that, set up a deep fake of them in some porn and then send them a message going, listen, send me a Bitcoin or this is being released to the public. And just mm-hmm. automate mm-hmm. that. It's not like someone doing it maliciously. That sounds, that's inevitable. That yeah, exactly. Right, but, but you don't you until you don't know it until you don't know what you don't know. Yeah. So well, that's, that's where we live. We we know what you don't know, and um, <laughs> so come on. So it's a, it's about looking at different ways of weaponizing ideas and technologies. We come up with things that are even old tech, or or you utilize old tech. I have a question for you. So you've got the microchips, I think. Yeah, or you've got, got three. One, one in each one in each hand. I got two in my two in my right hand and one in my left hand. Yeah. Okay, and. Now, that sort of thing is probably going to be more common in the future. No. Are you worried at all about those being used for some of these purposes? What? Why? I mean, this is the thing that can, people are confused by. Firstly, there's the implant part. And they're going, why would you put something implant? I'm like, don't you know that teenage girls get implant on now, which is like the size of a matchstick implanted under their arm? It's 10 times the size of my implant. And they're going, but can it be tracked and everything? And I'm like, uh, it's NFC. You've got three in your wallet probably in the in your key cards and everything. I mean, you, most people have got more NFC on them and trackable things. And I'm like, everything you're asking me is normal and common that people just don't kind of realize. I mean, cats have been getting and dogs have been getting their their microchip for you know 35, I think it's about 40 years now. And why is this even interesting? So when the news calls us up and they're like, uh, we play with brain computer interfaces and everything like that. Like microchips is boring. And then they go, well, do you think everyone will have one? I'm like, no, no one's going to be bothered with microchips in after a, about a couple of years, probably in the next two or three years, because they've gotten to a point where you can just get a stamp, which stamps a, a, an NFC chip onto your hand. So why bother getting an implant? You might have that sneaky suspicion that we've cut a fair bit out of this episode and your intuition is on point. But that's because we can't fit everything in. And you also might have a sneaky suspicion that we've done other interviews that are a little bit crazier. So if you want access to all the uncut episodes and the interviews that we decided to make private, just head to www.wittishinspodcast.com forward slash members only and you might just find your tribe. Okay, I'll let you get back to the episode now. Okay, so it... But there's going to be different variations, so they'll have different capacities. Yeah, so- I mean, sure. I mean, I reckon we are very close. I went to a transhumanism event and I asked the room, okay, when like, when are we going to reach hump day? The, the humans have got a funny thing. We've got a very stupid, funny thing about it. We don't mind repairing someone to the same state, like someone, like helping someone see Okay, here's here's a, your 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 little blade, so you can you, know, you can run, Mister Oscar Professorius, and we don't mind doing all these different things that restore people to normal. But how long until those devices, which actually technically they already are, when does the Paralympics become the Metro Olympics? Yeah. So people go, oh look at this, he's got an implant, he's got an arm and everything, but. People make the assumption that he lost his arm or he wasn't born with one or something like that. But what if I go, this company's got one for $50,000. They'll give me $35,000 for my perfectly good arm, as in to give to someone up to, to, to put it on someone that wants it, and I've just got to make up the difference and then they'll give me a cyber arm. When would people voluntarily take out a good limb or something like that to, to without injury? So this is where the human psyche is pretty bizarre. I'll give you a pacemaker. 
I'll let you computer run your heart. I'll give you things that let you hear the implants into your skull. And now Elon Musk has now got this new cerebral interface and everything. But if I gave someone an arm replacement that was 10 times stronger and someone else, you know, legs that were 10 times faster or 10 times better hearing or... I replaced your eye with a, which a director already has, with with a multiple cameras, and I can see an infrared and thermal vision and all that sort of things. Then people are going to lose their shit and freak out. And we keep making TV shows about those, and that's what the whole X Men series are. But we had heroes, which is people spontaneously having more than the common human and then society losing their absolute shit. Do you think there's a possibility though? Because at the moment we have various classes. The people who have the money to upgrade themselves will have uh, an advantage, an even bigger advantage. Yeah, yeah, yes, yes. There are people that talk about the disadvantage that those with money have. And my, I guess my kind of response is, is really, how is that different to the last 50 years? Those that can afford laptops at schools, those that can afford, like there are people living without water in parts of the world at the moment. And I'm not a universal income kind of like, let's take away all the money from billionaires kind of person. That whole thing just pisses me off. <laughs> I, I, well, I mean, the thing is, I, people don't, the social justice people and all those kind of people, they, they don't understand what they're doing because by suggesting inequality flattening out, they disincentivize anyone from ever doing anything amazing. This is, yeah, this is an angle that I hear all the time. So, so the thing is, if you take away, I, I mean, I even don't like our tax system in Australia. Like, I'm a full-on equality person. I'm, I'm no more better than anyone else. So why do I pay, you know, 50 cents in the dollar or something than someone else who pays whatever? I'm still paying a lot. And, and the thing is, a lot of people that with money would actually avoid that. Now, the thing is, technology and cryptocurrencies and everything else and so much and, and just the knowledge itself is, is a currency and a form. And that is going to empower people more and more. But if, you, if everybody's running around trying to take it away or stop it, then we're either going to slow humanity down. All, all the development and everything that happens in this world, like and the things that can actually happen to normal people after a car crash, came from an event that happened in the Vietnam War or somewhere or Iraq War or something because that's where they need to think on their far, are fast on their feet and they develop technologies like absolutely crazy but they end up in helping common society. So I guess it's sort of like the butterfly it, it, coming right. out of the cocoon. You've got to go through a struggle to get some positive outcome. And I mean, yeah. that's the way with everything it feels. The funny thing is if we tried to be fair and equal, we actually end up doing the exact opposite of what anyone wants us to do with the whole 1984. But like everyone deserves an equal try. Great. Cool. Let's go out and check every Aboriginal kid, African kid, all these people in like you know, deserts and everything like that and do, and do um, IQ testing and capability testing on them and, and get the really, really ones that are amazingly smart and take them away and stick them somewhere where we can teach them so much stuff. And hang on. You've just taken all the smart people away. What happened? What? Right. But you've given them the same opportunities that other people have had. And it's it's a crazy, strange place. I'm not in any way saying the rich should be protected. And I, I grew up, you know, with St. Vincent de Paul delivering food to my door. I'm no no rich snob or anything else like, like that. I understand the poor and the frail. And I'm watching these bushfires. And I'm like, this is very, very upsetting to me. And people are like, I got three months away from actually being able to finish my home and getting the insurance. And it took me 15 years to build. And you look at that and go... How do you even quantify what the time is in that guy and, and, and how and how much he, he spent? It's not just the materials that he put into that house. And this is one of the reasons that I like technology and automation. And, and, and people, we, just like with humans, we also don't think very much capabilities um, beyond what's in our face at the moment, like self-driving cars from Tesla. When you, at the end of the day at the construction site, go over to the, the, the big crane and you go, 
listen, I want that 75 tons of rock moved from there to there by the morning. Construction sites have just got a whole bunch of things happening and there's no humans at risk. Like I want to get rid of security guards and put security robots in, not weaponized, just the ones running around because the cost of a security guard being beaten up or shot or killed on, on him, his family, work, all those things versus someone stomping on a $300 robot. I don't, I'm not quite sure of, of what's going to work. I feel like we're wading through some, some really murky waters at the moment in the, in the next 50 years. Um, literally, I have no idea. Biggest problem with, with us humans is linear time, okay? So you trying to think about what the world will be like in five years is, or your life will be like in five years, you actually cannot. Now, the reason, I'll give you an example. I might say to you, what are your 12 months goals? And you'll go, I'm going to get to this level of job. I'm going to get a pay rise, which will allow me to get that car. And I'll put some money aside and I'll be able to go on this holiday to Egypt to see some Egyptian stuff that I really love. I'm going, Great. Wow, are you psychic? Yeah, maybe. Creepy. Um, but, <laughs> but, so then what's, what's something, a common question might be, okay, what do you want to do in two years? Because what it is, is what do you want to do in one year? One year from now when you have achieved, let's say, 50 to 80% of what you were trying to achieve. It's an exponential role of experience, mm. knowledge, yeah. pains and everything like that. So even saying what in three years, it's the stupidest thing unless you think, think that your life, your mindset, your knowledge, your skills, every, your wisdom and your experience and everything is going to remain static. So what we can achieve in one year and what we can achieve in two years are unrelated. It's an exponential thing depending on how well your goals you think they might be and I try to when I do some workshops, I try to get people to okay think about that as an example. What what you know, just roughly one year, and then okay now try to think what you will be like in one year from that mind's perspective of what you have and have been through, right? But that is the only correct way in actually looking at anything. It's the same as compound interest. This is compound visionary. Mm. That's why I call it the mm-hmm. anti-futurist. You can't predict everything in twenty thirty is predicated on all the variations in 2029, 2028, and you've got to unroll this giant onion, just the things that happen in the world, like you've got virtual reality, now you've got smart drugs, you've got EEG triggers, you've got all these things. The other day, I don't know if you realise, because we play a lot with brain-computer interfaces and triggers and all sorts of stuff like that, but they've just figured out-ish, like it's just they've just broken one small barrier, they can now construct an image they can read from your mind. I did hear about that. Very interesting. So, so that's interesting, and it's got many possibilities that I'm not going, don't, don't mm-hmm. going into. But you, you, know, <laughs> you take that, the new tech, and this, things that were actually like, oh, Elon Musk brings out that, then someone else brings out that. and But when you intersect those together, it turns into something completely and utterly different. Yeah, that's a really good point. In in my podcast, and part of the reason why I'm talking to you, is because I'm talking to lots of people who are siloed in different areas of science and engineering and that sort of thing. And what they don't realise is they've all given their opinion of how fast things might move or whatever, which I know you've just told me is linear. But, I mean, when they all collide, when they when they eventually, you know, become commercial products, these things that these people... Maybe like, we just plug their brains in and just, stand and just plug them into the Borg. Yeah, yeah, right. something like that. It's, it seems like people don't really think about the what will actually come of this exponential growth in all the different industries. So Shanti and I, you know, we're, I'm with technical by background, she's accounting by background, and the other people that we're sitting there with just look at us going, but how on earth could I have predicted that? I'm going, well, you can't because you are sitting here, you've done a little degree, 
you got the minimal experience that you're learning from. But if you went out and dug holes in the garden and played with garden gnomes, then you might come across something where about garden gnomes and their risk to national security. I don't know. But <laughs> the more exposure you've got to absolutely everything means that you can see how everything can intersect. That's why when something comes out, like there's often new products that are released that people go, oh, that's interesting. And I'm just like, oh, my God. Oh, like the drone, the, the shooting drone. Yeah, the ground drone, like the ground drone. Like the, when that came out, I'm just like, I'm, I'm still running around telling government ministers and other people like going, who, who bans toys? Who, who, how, how, do you know what I can do with this bloody thing? And they're like, what? There's toys, but they're able to shoot each other. And then you can, I mean, if you are smart enough. Or... Yeah, we've got them. You've the, got them. The problem is these drones, these drones at JB Hi-Fi, I've bought, there's several that I've bought at JB Hi-Fi. People just don't understand what you can do with them. And mm-hmm. I've, got, I've got a wall of them up here. Where are they? They're up there. I've got like a dozen. And these are codable and a program in like five or six languages from JavaScript to Python. And they've got ultrasonic sensors and visual representation. Like with the, that other drone that I gave the reference to, you can code it to just drive up the main street, look for people with Asian or dark skin and just shoot them. And if you can do facial recognition and track back and see how long since they're posted or if they're posted with a hashtag of blah, then just shoot them instead. And this is the thing with the glue of like if this, then that and Zapier and the interconnectedness of everything. And this is the examples I give to people is the trigger could literally be the bus goes below 60. It's more than 32 degrees. Someone appeared on TV three times in a day. You've got any trigger that can then trigger off an IoT turning on power. In fact, I've got a slide that I, that I do for the police, which is called, I'm going to kill you a week after you've killed me. And because I could say, if I don't check into this, or I'm not seen here, if I don't do this, or I don't tweet this thing with this hashtag at least once a week, then automatically trigger all these things and all this this, this just massive chain of effects. Drones start taking off everywhere. Things start happening. How, but how easy is that to do? Well, it seems not hard. It's not hard. You can do it JB Hi-Fi. Kids can do it today, yeah. which is why I'm, yeah. why I'm scared of STEM. Because my daughter's able to code. It's so easy. It's it's drag and drop now. Yeah. How, how old is she? She's eight. Yep. So I know three girls so far that are onto their second programming language using Python and things like that. And yeah. now while I love all that, we're technically we're actually creating child soldiers because I don't know how smart you are, but you're probably not smart enough that if she's sitting there with a the Raspberry Pi coding away, and you wanted him, what are you up to? And no matter what you looked at, you got no chance. I know. I, I'm totally aware. I'd have to try and figure out what a kid was doing, right? I'm a Linux engineer, you know, RHCE, and, and I know all about this stuff. And I'd be like, it'd probably take me an hour if I, to try and figure out whether a child was actually coding something to do bad. Mm. And, like, we can't even help with algebra and much less all the things they're doing now. But, I mean, you know, when do people say, oh, what about, you know, you can, I said, I, so I say, I can say, which I say, I could care less about kids at all with technology. I'm scared for anyone over 18 that has no one giving a damn about trying to keep them caught up. But the problem is the teachers is that they're good at the tech, but they're not good at ethics and morals. So mm. you don't want to have a, you know, a six-year-old boy that is stream, live streaming his sister in the shower to Facebook, you know, because he hasn't had ethics and morals and, and, and being taught what he shouldn't do. But I, what's the difference between them and the Rwandan ch- child soldiers? when they're able to make circuits and make things blow up and create absolute war zone. It's not, I'm not talking about hacking and everything. I'm talking, you go down to JB Hi-Fi and, or actually Woolworths and, and Coles now sell the little PowerPoints and the, and the Alexa controlled light switches and, and um, light globes and everything. All they've got to get is a few of those and they're at school and they just like say to their phone or their device or do a hashtag and your house blows up at home. Between you and me, Skeeve, I'm not without blowing up the house, but I would be a little bit impressed if my daughter did something cool. If she's coding, then why she can't do that? Like she's eight, eight, you're safe. Wait till she's 12 and 13 and run for it. 
Yeah, well, perhaps um, there needs to be just a bit of a, an upheaval of the STEM curriculum. Well, this is the, that's the problem, right? You somehow have to figure out in, this is all the tech and this is where, this is, and this is the problem I've got with lawyers at the moment, is lawyers are learning how to use, they're all like finally catching up and starting to learn about using tech in law firms. I'm going, no, no, but what about the law of tech? And they don't understand it. And we sit there and work with the Supreme Court and everything going, but I've got brain triggers here. I mean, I, I, we talk to the army about scenarios and I'm like, okay, so there's a 12-year-old boy in shorts and a T-shirt in an urban environment. He says to the soldiers, put the guns down. They just laugh and look at him stupidly. He calls out a word and a gunshot rings out and shoots one of your soldiers in the head. What do you do? And they're like, dive, try and figure out where the sniper is and blah, blah, blah. And it's oh. too long until they realize that it's the kid with an Alexa kind of voice-activated thing that's the actual weapon. Mm-hmm. So you know, do you know much about brain-computer interfaces? I do know a little bit. <laughs> this is the thing is people don't even realize. So if you go and look on YouTube at Driving by Thought, there'll be a video from a company called Emotive with Noe on the end, and that's an Australian, partially Australian company based on Macquarie Uni. That's nearly nine to ten years ago that they were driving a car by thought on Munich Airport. That's See, that's really awesome. That's but, so cool. They've been able to do that for ten years, and they're a gamer, mm. and people don't understand the actual amount of tech out there that is insane that people just don't understand is even real. Like, we've, I mean, we've got a business called Superhumanology where we actually create superhumans, where people that learn at ten times factor of speed and it's common things if you know what to look for, like smart drugs. I don't know how many days I haven't been to sleep in, I think three or four days. I'm not sure. You need to jump on top of that. You need I to get on that. But see, I don't need to because when you look at the movies like Limitless, we, yeah. have, we have those drugs. They're not as powerful as that. Okay, where do I, where, where are they? <laughs> but smart drugs exist. So I was doing a talk. Where, where's the Limitless drugs? Come on. I'll stop recording and you can tell me afterwards. Do you remember when WikiLeaks had put out some papers from uh, Hillary Clinton? And they thought that she also had Parkinson's. Mm-hmm. That's not like, <gasps> go go read what go read what the actual paperwork was. Oh. The paperwork was the State <laughs> Department research into because she just wanted to stay awake. She was on the freaking campaign trail. Oh, that makes so much sense. You can go and download the document. Like, there's nothing like it's it's WikiLeaks. You can go and get it. And if you read the documents from the State Department people, and it's like there is no known side effects. Blah 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 blah. She just wanted to stay awake. So most of the people that you might. Like that you would know, um, like from Elon Musk to Bill Gates, they're all using smart drugs. That explains a lot. The thing is now, what I said is the same before about technology, the intersectional thing is starting to happen now. So, mm-hmm. and things are uh, combining and, and coming together. So, for example, the like the, the cure for depression has just has been found about two years ago. So, it's a new thing called microdosing. So, it's literally it's acid LSD and you take about 5% of it. They've cured PTSD and that's being rushed through the US and the it's on it's on this it's even on Beyond Blue's website. The thing is, there is so much information that's out there that people don't even realize. Like, we've got these superhuman headsets like headphones that you put on. They're called transcranial direct current stimulation. They put your brain into a hyperstate of learning. And we put them into the Australian Rugby League team with Mel Meninga four years ago. We even had it in a newspaper. And the problem is that people read it because they've got nothing to correlate it to. Sorry, but what do the headphones do? The headphones, basically, they're called Halo Sports. So your average Olympic-grade athlete, and we've got, a, we've got a gym in the city here where we have them coming in. Every training session, a high-performance person gets what we call about one to one and a half percent gains per training session. So it's like mm-hmm. how much you're improving. Yeah. You put your yeah, headphone yeah. on uh, and it puts the brain into a state of hyperplasticity, like muscle muscle uh, memory learning. And if then for the next hour, anything you do is, is absorbed at anywhere from nine to 
12%. So 10 times that. So you could possibly use that not just for sports anyway. You could use that for any profession that you're in. So there's, a, there's one video on there of a, of a concert pianist who normally takes a week to learn a new piece, but after about two hours of playing with it, his fingers, he's just going... My fingers are just going where they're supposed to. I've got five of these headsets. I've had them for two years, a couple of years. So can you play an instrument well? I, no, I don't use that. But, but I've also got the next version, which is the, the learnt knowledge version, which is in prototype. But this is, this is all common stuff that's been available. You can go to a website and buy this stuff and have been able to for years. You've been able to buy the emotive headsets on EEG control and drive a car if you wanted to hook it up for like 10 years. This stuff is all here. People just don't know. Steve, do you have a podcast or a show? Um, we are actually yeah. about to start something which is kind of along this lines called Surviving the 2020s. And so, Oh, nice. So we, that's kind of the umbrella thing and under it's going to be areas of like law and you know, personal and, and business and, and all the different all the different sort of stuff we've talked about will go through it. I'm all wanted to be video based. I really hate podcasts. Each to their own then. I don't right? have time to listen. I'm a visual person. Yeah, we're all different. It seems to be only half the effort. Like, <laughs> have you seen the new, oh, you should, oh, that's what you should see. Have you seen, have you heard of Descript? <laughs> no. That'll break your brain. Okay, thanks for that. My so brain's already broken. So DE Script, that's a new one which uses a form of deep fake technology that during mm-hmm. this talk, when I said the word deep fake a minute ago, you could change that into apple pie using my voice by just typing the text. <gasps> So that's a new form of that's audio deepfake. Okay, so basically you're warning me. <laughs> no, no, no. What, no you, it'll, it'll blow your absolute mind because it will do the video as well and it seamlessly interacts and changes things and they've got examples there. Wait, so this Descript first that's yeah. like the ultimate weapon against podcasters. No, it's not the, against podcasts. It's this for podcasters. Like, you don't care how many mistakes you make. You just go and cut and paste it out and change the words you need to. Yeah, I know, but someone can just take your voice and make their own podcast well, and say no, that's what no. you said. This is the interesting thing. So Adobe, Adobe did a product launch in 2016 for Adobe Voco, V-O-C-O. What's that? So four years ago, Adobe announced the product mm-hmm. and someone went and tapped them on the shoulder and went, do not release that product. And they've been doing it to companies around the world for the last couple of years. They're basically, they're like, it's not like don't do it, but if you do it that anyone is able to generate anyone's voice Mm-hmm. You'll you'll will just destroy you. It would tear apart the fabric of anything. I'll just sit here with a couple of minutes of your audio, and I'll just get on a phone call, and I'll just type anything, and it will just come out purely in your voice. Yeah, but that's that exists. Like I love it. That's one of those things where even the conspiracy <laughs> theorist, uh, theorists people sit there and go, "Yeah, you know what? The spiders should do that." <laughs> They're like, they should stop them doing that. Mm, it would be, yeah, but the thing is, there's no money in caring about protecting people's voices. Oh, no, if you saw if you saw what you can do with that. So the thing is, this is where the, we come in with the weapons. So we use deep fake in weaponry and warfare where people are like, oh, but I could detect it. And whether you created a deep fake, I'm like, yeah, but I don't care. Because what I've created is a soldier having a piss in an alleyway, but I've put a Quran that he's pissing on. And then I've released it into the local community. And how long do you think you've got to tell whether that's a fake? Because they don't know. They don't care. So I'm not about trying to get it passing on TV. I'm trying to get it about causing hell. And like imagine during the middle of an election and voting day and and a, and a thing comes out with Scott Morrison. But imagine yeah. if you got him muttering under his voice saying, blah, blah, you know, I just want to bring the Nazis back, you know, and something like that. And it, sounded, and it was like, and it seemed like it was accidentally caught off camera, like those things happen all the time. And yeah. people would just lose their minds and you could influence whole elections. And on that note, Skeev, thanks so much for chatting with me today. You definitely delivered your promise to break my brain. It's been awesome. And maybe we could catch up again and touch base on all the other things that I didn't quite get. Do an upgrade when you want to or something.
thanks for listening. I hope you enjoyed the conversation with Steve Stevens. This week, I've dropped three episodes. So if you liked this episode, there's probably a couple more waiting for you to listen to. Please don't forget to subscribe. And until next time, chill, read a book and enjoy the planet. Thank you.